colleagues, hello friends, and welcome to The Corporation, a podcast that's too fun to fail. I'm your host, Dean Ardenfeld, coming at you from quarantine in my basement studio apartment. Each week, I call up two employees of Hogswood Cooper Media, the worldwide conglomerate that owns everything from gun manufacturers to children's fashion lines. Together, we'll learn about and celebrate the folks who work for the many subsidiaries of this remarkable company. As always, I'm required to state that I am not employed by Hogswood Cooper. But boy, am I a fan, and I think you're going to be too. So let's get into it, shall we? My first guest is a life coach, motivational speaker, and frequent contributor to the HCM Lifestyle Channel. Her programs and lectures have helped thousands of people achieve excellence, and she's the author of the best-selling book, You're the Problem, Taking Responsibility for Your Pattern of Personal Failure. In her spare time, she paints still lifes of household appliances. Please welcome Nellie Yonklin. Hello, Nellie. Hello. Hello. How are you, Dean? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. And I, uh, I'm very excited because, uh, you know, I've dipped into a little bit of your, uh, for the free part of your 16-step personal and professional program. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that program is called It's Up to You. And there's the videos and workbooks. And it's a real holistic kind of life coaching program you've developed there. It is. And thank you so much for getting a bit of the way through of it. I feel like a lot of people end up dropping out. And I think it's because their stamina is lacking. <laughs> right. Well, that's interesting how your, you know, your philosophy is really that like, uh, if we're not, uh, if we can't be successful in our lives, then our mindset is wrong, right? So we're not just not attracting the success. And, and somehow, you know, we, we only have ourselves to blame for that, right? That's true enough. I mean, you can't blame your problems on the world. Your problems are your problems and your unique way of um, messing up in your life is something that you really have to face. Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, it's it has been suggested, of course, that like, you know, you're basically maybe possibly like exploiting people's like innate insecurities, and then using those insecurities for your own, you know, financial gain. Oh, wow. What a sick way to look at it. I think someone who would look at it that way probably has a lot of jealousy in their soul, probably has right. a lot of insecurity of their own that haven't been tapped and haven't been looked at as a resource into how they could make those fears successful, you know? So I think anyone who would say that is obviously not very successful and hasn't really done any of the work. Right, right. right. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what are some of the like challenges that you have that you face in dealing with these sort of people who, you know, may or may not have it uh, every day? Right. Well, a lot of the times, you know, I go to my uh, I go to my family for help. As you know, my father is a very rich man. And mm. so him and his team of lawyers will often help me out if people are attacking me. And so mm-hmm. I look to the people around me, you know, the relationships, the communications that I've made during my life to help me out. And and that's a whole part of my uh, of my 16 step book, as you might know, you know, step mm. nine, surround yourself with successful people. And that's what I've done. My right. father successful. His father was successful. And you see in that way, I have created a successful oh. life. Right, right. You've, you've, I mean, what do you say to people who say, well, you were born into that privilege and, and, you know, some of us don't have that. Okay. Well, to that, I say, does everyone have a good working relationship with their mother or father? No, of course not. Some people are given away as babies and they, it's up to them to make their way back to their successful parents and create a relationship. Wow, wow. Have you have you spoken to people in the past who who have been given away by their parents and then have found their way back to their their biological parents? Oh yes, of course. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can be good-looking, attractive, and successful enough, you can get your way into anybody's life, and that that's that's a right. stamp of approval. 
Right, right, right. And I, I do have to admit, you you are uh, a very attractive person, and uh, and I've seen in the in some of the materials here that that is a key part of it, right? And that uh, you know, if you're not spending time working on that part of it, then you know, you're not doing the work. For sure. I mean, think about it this. What do you want in your backyard? Do you want a beautiful apple tree with plump, red, delicious apples? Or do you want some weed that's farting out um, fart gas and slipping all over itself in its slobbery way? Wow. Fart gas weed. Right. I mean, that's so you're you're calling people who don't put in the work to beautify themselves fart weeds. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's me or if that's just how the world sees them. Right, fart right. weeds. Yes. Nobody wow. wants a garden full of fart weeds. And how do you, uh, I'm so curious about how you came to this work and, and when did you first know that you, you wanted to help people become the best versions of themselves? I just sort of noticed that people had a way of looking at me when I walked into a room. Now, that may be because I have a generally loud voice and mm. a, um, a presence that demands attention. Um, and I started thinking, oh, I could maybe help people feel the way that I feel, which is wonderful, confident, successful, like I have no worries. I could go out for lunch at any time. Mm. And I thought, what a great feeling. What a great life I lead. And maybe maybe other people could get a little, you know, mint, mint-like taste of this, a little dollop of the mm. joy I am living minute to minute. So that's your, your, your goal is not that other people uh, are able to rise to the sort of level of success that you've managed to achieve, but that they maybe just can dip their toe in it for a, for a, a while. Well, I don't know that everyone has the stamina or the perseverance, the, the work ethic to, to mm. live at this level of success every day. Wow. And I mean, when you've, uh, you, you've gotten some praise and of course, you know, the critics are always, always so loud, even when there's a few of them, uh, for your book, I want to read the title out again. You're the problem taking responsibility for your pattern of personal failure. Uh, Mm -hmm. what what inspired this book and, and what can we expect to find in it? Well, first of all, I just want to say, you know, haters going to hate. And T. Swift says that. And so do I. And she is one of my very biggest clients. You know, her and I, her and I are very tight. You know, we we have faced some of the same struggles and have both come out on top. So um, so uh, you're the problem that came from this feeling of, you know, maybe some people's um, limitations to life is wondering like, oh, oh, uh, oh, I'm not good enough and I'm not this enough. And, and, and there was moments in my life, if you can believe it, Dean, there was a moment in my life where I felt that about myself. Oh, maybe I'm not good enough. And then I realized <laughs> I'm amazing. I am yeah. educated. I am beautiful. I, I'm not the problem. Right. You are. Oh, I see. So interesting. So this is not this is so the the philosophy of this book is is that others should take personal responsibility for their failures, but that others are also responsible for a- any obstacles that you face. You're outside of the world of this book. Right. I hear where you're getting confused. So let me clear this up for you. I know it's quite academic and hard for people to grasp on, but yeah. it, it's the idea that um that you have to be confident enough to see the problems in the others around you, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if I spend all my time beating myself up, um, then I'm not going to have any time to, one, get to the spa, get to the gym, and wow. two, be able to help the people around me because, you know, as we all know, it's much easier to point out someone else's flaws than to look at your own. So mm-hmm. if I'm looking at, you know, Christy, my secretary, I can say, wow, she looks really dotty today. Mm-hmm. And... 
and I can help her with that. And through that moment, both of us grow. She comes in with a nicer pair of crisper pants. Mm. We both seem more successful. I see. I see. Wow, mm-hmm. this is interesting because it's uh, you know for someone like myself, I always just feel as though uh, you know I'm 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 happy to take responsibility for my own personal failure, um, and there's plenty to choose from. But I I don't necessarily uh, think to do that to other people, and and perhaps that's the next step is being able to see it in others as well as yourself. Well, if you don't mind me saying, Dean, I mean, I could tell that that was your problem the moment we started this. You know, you said, I live in a a basement apartment as if that's okay. I mean, you, you shouldn't allow yourself to live that way. Right, right. No, I, um, I, I say that to myself almost every night when I go to sleep in here. And I, and but I, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've tried to make excuses for that. And of course, uh, uh, people don't want to hear that, right? Especially what are excuses? People such as yourself. Um, what are excuses? They're dead gooses. Are dead gooses? You say? That, what are excuses? They're dead gooses. You oh. know, that's that's chapter seven. I guess you didn't get it. That didn't get I that didn't. far. The, hmm. the the teaser was only three chapters. Um, and and I, I my credit card had maxed out after that, and so I couldn't afford to do the next month. Um, but I right. I'm very uh very excited to get back to it at some point. Um, Good. maybe maybe before we move on to our second guest, we could uh, you could give us a couple a couple of t- teasers or a couple of hints as to what a couple of the other steps of your sixteen step program are. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, as you'll get later in the chapter, there's um, chapter 11, which is called Get Up and Run. And Ooh. so this is the philosophy of getting up in the morning and immediately going for the longest, hardest, fastest run that you can before mm. eating, before thinking, definitely before meditating. Just getting out there and speeding through the world as fast as you can, pushing people out of your way if need be. And that's mm. the best way to start your day with that sort of attacking lioness prowl that right. I feel is so key to successful people. Wow. Wow. Uh, that that uh, right away, I, I can feel something in the pit of my stomach saying, like that sounds like like uh, first of all something physically that I have a hard time doing, but also just emotionally being getting out there and uh, and attacking the day and shoving other people out of the way like that. Uh, that makes uh, someone like me who's very un- anti-confrontational, uh, you know, very very uncomfortable and nervous. And so maybe that's a good way of thinking about getting outside of my comfort zone, huh? Mm-hmm. You've got to think about it as as the animal world. I mean, there are alligators and mm. there are the the you know the other things that alligators eat. So you've got to decide which one you you are right chickens or whatever um well folks um my second guest uh he defends intellectual property rights around the world but before we get to that let's pause and hear a quick word from our sponsor don't go anywhere we'll be right back the corporation is brought to you by vermont comedy club currently offering online classes and live streaming entertainment like kids comedy shows at 1 p.m on wednesdays and saturdays quarantine the interactive game night on thursdays at 7 30 screenplay improv comedy at seven every friday and a late night inspired show called talk to us please on fridays at eight it all streams live to the vermont comedy club facebook youtube and twitch channels and you can find out more by going to vtcomedy.com stay safe and stay healthy and now back to the show and we're back. We've been talking with life coach and author Nellie Yonklin. And now I'm going to bring my second guest into the conversation who works for a totally different subsidiary of Hogswood Cooper. He is an intellectual property attorney at Our Advantage, one of the country's largest patent assertion entities. In that position, he ensures that anyone who violates a patent, knowingly or not, is made to pay their fair share and more. On weekends, he enjoys herping for amphibians and reptiles. Please welcome Tad Sheps. Hello, Tad. Hello, Mr. Ardenfell. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, um, now, you represent a company, Our Advantage, uh, that yes. owns thousands of patents. 
some, yes. some of them are actually pretty vague for like software and virtual processes and stuff like that. And uh, it's your job to find the small businesses across the country who have in, uh, sort of either invented something similar or just even, even are just using that technology and insist that they compensate you and your company, yeah, right? Yes, exactly. And and you said software as if we had as if we had broken it down, but what we had actually patented is the concept of software. Oh wow. And so any any time someone makes tries to create a new piece of software, of course they hear from me, Tad Sheps. Wow. So you that's that's I mean, that's a big job to go after anyone using software anywhere in the world. Well, that's why I never sleep. Yeah. Oh, you never sleep, really. I never sleep. Wow. That's uh, that seems unhealthy. Well, someone's got to do the job. This is an important business that we do at our advantage, and I'm I'm the one who makes sure that these miscreants around the world pay for what they try to steal. Right. Right. Um. I mean, you're and and uh, obviously you're very good at your job and your strategy. Uh, you just you know that going to court for you know for this sort of thing could cost a business uh, you know over a million dollars, and so it's always smarter for them to settle with with you guys for for like maybe a hundred or two hundred k. So that in that way, like everybody wins, right? Exactly. We, and you, you know the number exactly. We always sue for a million dollars. And people hate that. People hate such a large number. And also, they hate going to court. Mm. And I love going to court. So, I take them to court and they never, they never show up. And so, I just yeah. take my 200 grand, my 100 grand, and I, and I say, thank you. I've, I've never. This is for me. So, is that the way the, the, the legal system works? Is that if they don't, like a traffic ticket, like if they don't show up, you, you collect 100K and, and walk out? Yes, exactly. The, a patent is like, is like a traffic, a speeding ticket. If you speed okay. and, and, and you don't show up to court, then you don't have to pay the ticket. Okay. And so, right. if I sue someone and, and they don't show up to court, then they pay me. It, it, it's, you know, legalese is complicated. That's is, why yeah. people hire me. Right, right, and that's why you're the best at what you do. I, I was for some reason under the under the assumption that a million dollars was like what they would pay in legal fees to defend themselves, and that they settle out of court for for like a hundred thousand dollars. Do you do that as well? Oh well, of, of course they would have to t to take care of their own legal fees. Right, uh, but right. I find that we never even get to that point. They find the right. concept of one million dollars so intimidating that they sure. they don't even show up. They're a little frady pants who can't even get past the steps of the courthouse. Sure, and and frady pants, you say. And so and so when you um, it's a legal term. A, a, of course, of course, people like to criticize you all and your methods as being like sort of uh, you know basically forcing them to, you know, to pay up uh, for something that is really not their fault. Um, you know, what's your response to people who criticize your methods and the fact that you uh, are just gathering up all of these vague, pro you know, uh, patents and then applying them haphazardly to people across the country who may not be able to afford to defend themselves? Well, my, my first point of order there is, is who's doing this criticism because we have in fact patented criticism as wow. a concept, and so these uh, these degenerates who are criticizing my company owe us money, uh, wow. at least a million dollars per criticism. Amazing. So if you could give me a list by the end of this interview, uh, uh, you, I, they will would, be hearing from me, I Tad could, Sheps. I could try. I'll dig back in my notes and see if I can find who who said that. Um, oh, I love a note taking man. I mean, you're you're just uh, you, you know, of course, people call you you know they call it like patent trolling or patent hoarding, right? But you're just defending your company's IP, really, right? That's exactly what a troll. I'm more like a knight in shining armor. I defend the intellectual property or whatever type of property my company may have yeah. against the hordes of of ill-advised keyboard warriors trying to take me down. Right, right. So what happens if like uh, you know? 
let's say I'm assuming you you do eventually make a visit in person, right? Like you you send some threatening letters or whatnot. Um, I always visited person. Yeah. So when you when you walk into let's say uh, a mom and pop shop, let's say a you know a sort of a a, a gas station or something, you know, owned by a, a husband and wife. Oh, and my they're, favorite. They're using a, a computer with a point of sale system that you know it, 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 you have a patent on the. the well, the, it's a software, so of course right, we have a patent uh, on it. Right. So then you go in and and how, what's what what is your approach? to the you know to the the couple that owns the gas station for instance in a situation like that well it's it's a couple and it's a gas station well so first i go in and i buy one packet of barbecue chips just to throw them off and when i slam it down on the counter i make sure that i i crush every chip inside that bag and i then i look up in the eyes and say mom and pop it's me, Tad Sheps, your worst nightmare. Oh, wow. And then I slide across a formal letter that informs them that oh, they're wow. being sued by me, Tad Sheps, at our advantage and associates for $1 million for patent, for infringing upon the patent of software. Wow. And then usually they criticize, and so I have to write up quickly another another letter okay. to inform them that they're, they're infringing sure. on that patent as well. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, that that is a... Uh, an aggressive way to go about it, but I assume that's there's a the strategy behind that, right? You really want to get your point across directly. Yes, aggression pays. Aggression always pays. It's the only strategy I've ever used, and the only one that's ever worked. Uh huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, I, you know, I would love to. I would love to pull our first guest back into the conversation here, uh, Nelly. Um, you've been sitting here listening to all this. What's your What's your take on on all of this? Are you thinking that Tad Sheps and his company are uh, a success by your standards, by your program standards? Well. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I mean, money, money yells, as we all know. It doesn't just speak. Money right. yells. Yeah. So yeah. I think in that way, you know, if you have enough money and it's screaming, then there's a lot of other things that you can forget about. You can forget about mm. keeping your body nice, about looking pretty in your face. Okay. You can forget about um, being friendly or communication. You for- can forget about your parents because if your money is yelling for you, then you really don't need anything else. I see. So in other words, it's a sort of tiered system that you've developed so that I can t- I can untick some of those boxes if I have enough money to yell with. Certainly. And I mean, and not to say that there aren't other things that can make someone very successful. I mean, maybe someone's a, an amazing dancer and the best dancer you've ever seen. Um, mm. Then you might say, wow, I want that person to be my husband. And so then you, with all of your money, you buy them. And my husband's name is Rico and he's an amazing dancer. And are you uh, I just want to go back one second. Did you say you bought your husband? Sorry, bought his favor. Bought his oh, favor. I see. You sort of curried favor with him because of your money. And you you looked at that dancer and you said, him, I want him. And you threw enough money at him, yelling with your money, uh, that it got his attention. We met on a Disney cruise ship and he was playing Mickey Mouse. And I said, ooh, have I ever felt, you know, what, these are the nastiest thoughts I've ever had about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, as if I could interject, as, as someone who used to work for Doug Yonklin, mm. uh, Nellie's father, uh, back in the day when I was a younger man, this was, this was a, a prime strategy of the Yonklin family to buy favor of, of both romantic partners and, and uh, the business acquisitions, friendship, uh, enemies. They even bought the favor of their enemies to mm-hmm. be enemies. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Money screams, and it's always yelling I mean, at money, me. You know, money screams and slams the barbecue chips down on the counter and smashes them to bits right in front of hey don't are you going to don't use that strategy that's my patented strategy it's literally patented 
this barbecue and that's only for gas stations i have a strategy for every type of small business that you could well, i don't believe have. that i have the confidence to do that no matter what i don't think i could i could muster it and uh so, frankly mr Ardenfell, you don't seem like yeah and I, i'm you know maybe if one day i could afford the whole the whole program um the whole nelly yonklin program then perhaps uh perhaps well I you know dean to. once every 12 years i do do a giveaway so okay. um in six years it, it's coming around again <clears throat> every 12 years interesting mm-hmm. and wh- how did you arrive at that number um uh, well it was my 12th birthday that i got my first pony car so i figured that that's a perfect time to um pony car yes it was a uh porsche uh filled with a pony okay all right i was envisioning like a, a cart that a pony pulled but you're saying you got a like a sports car with a pony inside of it Yes, that's right. For your 12th Yes, the birthday. pony lives in the car. It's a pony. I, clearly, you have no money, Mr. Ardenfeller. <laughs> no, you would uh, obviously well, know what a pony car is. Sure. Um, uh, well, you know, before we wrap up here, I always like to ask people a little bit about their personal lives. And so, uh, N- Nellie, it says here that you, you paint still lifes of uh, household appliances. How, how did you get into that? Well, I got my Vitamix, and I thought, I've never seen such a beautiful blender in my life. Mm. So... Uh, after I juiced myself some kale, broccoli, pineapple, wheatgrass, I thought, I've got to paint this. So I, I kicked Rico out of the dance studio for just the afternoon, and I painted mm. the Vitamix. And I thought, I can't possibly stop there. So I've been right. painting luxury items, household items, ever since. Wow. Yes, and I, I, I believe that I saw some photos of, uh, of an art e- exhibition that you did, um, you know, and it looked like you took over this whole art gallery and all it was was, you know, f- paintings of still lifes of, uh, uh, of appliances. And I, I couldn't believe the uh, amount of money that some of those paintings were going for. Well, that's true. You know, you know, well, as we said, you know, money screams and yells and popularity mm. winks. So popularity really? is really a, 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 a mystery, a mystery man. And if you can be popular enough, you can get away with anything. I mean, Jackson Pollock, he was just throwing paint on a thing. What, what's that? He had right, no talent right. at all. Right. So, so it was interesting enough. People were trying to buy my favor by buying my masterpieces. And oh, I it, see. Yeah. It, worked. it worked. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, so, so money yells, enough money mm-hmm. yells, popularity winks. Are there other things that do things like, like what does insecurity or confidence or, you know, what would you say? I would say that, um, Violence lurks. Okay, sure. Confidence naps. Confidence, confidence naps. does nap. How, how, how do you arrive at naps for confidence? It's it's just what it does. It's it's they're so it's so confident. It's like you can catch me sleeping and I'll be ready. It's a, it's a nap. Oh, I see. I see. So you know, I think can, yeah. I think as Tad was saying, he doesn't sleep through the night, so he he exists right. on naps. And I guess if you're confident enough, you can take a nap in any situation and not be concerned for your own safety, right? Yeah, so once I was uh, in Afghanistan enforcing a patent for the army, and uh, I took a nap right in the middle of the, uh, the battlefield. Wow. So you, you went to Afghanistan to shake down the army for a patent violation and napped in their battlefield. That's exactly what I did. And wow. boy, did, were they scared when they saw that million dollar price tag. Let I, me I tell you, the army is very stingy with their money. Yeah, yeah, sure. When I think army, I think... Uh, uh, I think limited spending um tad if you don't mind me asking what was it that what was the patent that you were enforcing for the army what were they using uh against uh, you know against the army i've i patented the army oh 
like the but, concept yes, of an the army. concept of the army. I've had, okay. I mean, I, I, I wasn't quite there to get the Navy or the Air Force or, oh, okay. or any of the others, the, yeah. the, the forest rangers or whatever they're called. I don't sure. care. Sure. But uh, wow. the Coast Guard, you Mountains, know, the, the, yeah. the essential services. But the yeah. army, I have that patent, so I, wow. I was there to enforce that patent. Amazing. And, uh, and, and, and it looks like you also have a, ho- a hobby here, and it's like basically, you know, you're, you're not, you know, some people are into um, bird watching or whatever, and you, you do that for amphibians and reptiles. It's called herping. Well, yes, I am a herpetologist, of course, and uh, oh, you are I, an I, actual I, scientist. I, this isn't just a hobby. You're an actual herpetologist? One of the things about never sleeping is that I've had the opportunity to receive a number of degrees and educa- educations, uh, one of which is herpetology. Oh, I uh, and I, I identify with our uh, lizard brethren. Uh, for, they are, they're cold and heartless, and, and they go after what they want, which is also what I do. I see. I see. I totally see the, the crossover there. That's so interesting. And it almost is like you're, what you're describing is like, uh, you know, if I were immortal, uh, then I would have many lifetimes to learn many skills and, uh, and, and, you know, perhaps I'd be, I'd be getting master's degrees and all sorts of things if I had, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, forever to live. And it seems like by not sleeping, you're sort of creating a version of that for yourself. Yes, I'm, I, I do consider myself functionally immortal. Uh, functionally immortal? I, functionally immortal, well, yes. Uh, it's not hypothetical for me. It's, right. it's something that I exist in on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, you know, proof. the proof is in the pudding. I, yeah. I have not died yet. So as far as I, com- uh, I am concerned, I will continue to exist forever, wow. uh, which Incredible. is great news uh, as a patent lawyer because everything I patent now, I will be able to oversee forever. Right, in perpetuity forever, right? You can In perpetuity, yes. That's incredible, yeah, wow. Well, I, I really, I really appreciate both of you uh, spending some time with me, uh, um, uh, Nelly. I, I really want to, to find a way to to try. To, what would you suggest for someone who doesn't have a whole lot of uh, disposable income or confidence who wants to who wants to get involved in your program? I would say to you, Dean, there are many beaches in the world where nickels and pennies lead up to millions. Okay. So, so get out there and start searching for your coins. Wow. Um, well, folks, that's about all the time we have for today on The Corporation. I want to thank my guests for speaking with me and our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and email me at deanardenfell at hotmail.com. And remember, Dean Ardenfell is not and has never been an employee of Hogswood Cooper Media or any of its subsidiaries. Cheers! The Corporation is a presentation of Unical Media. Subscribe to hear new episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. For more great stuff, follow The Corporation Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and check out thecorporationpod.com.